Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Mark Drake. I'm thrilled to be able to be a part of this series. Um, I, I, I realize that when we start talking about these things of the Spirit, that it's, it's, it's very possible that they sound spooky and, and weird and, and all of that. But the reason for that is because we tend to see ourselves in reverse order of how God created us. God created us to be an eternal spirit which has a body and a mind. But because of our senses and the world we live in, we tend to think of ourselves as a body and a mind that happens to have a spirit. So when things of the spiritual nature begin, uh, prophecy and what we're going to talk about today about speaking in tongues, it, it can seem very bizarre and very weird. But the reason for that is because we don't see ourselves the same way God sees us, as spirit first, spirit eternally. Now, we're going to have a renewed body, and we'll have a body forever. But the body encases our spirit so that we can function in the created world, which we will always be doing, by the way. So we're going to talk today about the difference between Speaking in tongues as a prayer language, as worship, which we all can do, and the gift of tongues, which is a benefit to others, not ourselves, but needs to be operated along with an interpretation. There's a lot of confusion about this, but we can clear it up really simple if we'll just do this. And remember that each, each part of this series is about a tool that the Holy Spirit gives us as his body on the earth. That tool is not primarily for you. It is primarily to work through you for the benefit of others. But the tools that God puts in their life is not primarily for them, but it's to work through them for your benefit. We're going to be taking communion at the end today. Not only is that going to remind us of the sacrifice of Jesus, but it's going to remind us that we are a body and that we desperately need one another. So these tools that are given to us, referred to as gifts of the Spirit, nine categories, and within each category, there is virtually an infinite number of ways that it can manifest. One of the, uh, one of the fellows that's uh, had a tremendous part in our lives because of a prophecy that was uh, really incredible and uh, nailed it right on the head, he used to prophesy in rhyme. Every time he prophesied, it, it always rhymed. And then when he stopped prophesying, he had the world's worst southern accent. And I don't know what happens there, but, but nonetheless, these are tools for building. Now, I'm not a builder, and I'll just be very honest with you right now. My dad could build or fix just anything. Me, on the other hand, I was a young, hippie guitar player, so I was not a builder. I don't know how tools work. The tools you saw on that open, I'm not sure what much of any of that is. A drill, and the only reason I don't know that is because I got a scar right there when I laid a board on my knee and drilled a hole in it. But I did build a, a doghouse years ago for our kid's brand, brand new puppy, but it was so ugly even the dog refused to sleep in it. But I did, I did make this out of an old pallet. I thought you would be interested in my workmanship there. Yeah, uh-huh. But when we talk about tools, it's important to understand that what we're talking about is specialized gifting to do an excellent work. 
in one unique specialized area, whatever the gifting might be. Now, this is about the only tool that I own right here. Who knows what this is? This is a multi-tool. This is a Gerber multi-tool, and it ain't cheap. But it does a little bit of everything. Now, it doesn't do a lot of anything, but it does a little bit of everything. It's got two screwdrivers, and I had to have one of you construction guys point out to me that the straight one is called a flathead, and the other one is called a Phillips. And I don't know who Mr. Phillips is, but I bet he's making a lot of royalty monies off of all of these screwdrivers. But there's two blades on this. There are screwdrivers. There's all these little things here that you can use. And so I keep one of these in my suitcase because we're almost always traveling. And, you know, if you've got to fix your glasses or a little thing, then this works really great. If you need to tighten a screw, you can do this. However, if you're going to build a house, you're going to have to tighten a whole lot of screws, and you don't want to have this as the tool. You want the machine or the tool, the, 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 the thing that is specifically for that job. Now, this can do some of it, but it can't do nearly all of it. Now, because each of us, if we're believers in Christ Jesus, have the Spirit of God living in us, in a moment of crisis, God can work through us in any way he chooses. However, he has set up the body of Christ so that none of us always have all the gifts. Now, how do we know that? Because he does a huge teaching, Paul does a huge teaching to the Corinthian church where he says, this is like your body. The ear cannot do what the eye can do. The eye cannot do what the ear can do. And, it, and he goes on to teach. That is in the context of teaching about these nine categories of spiritual gifts. And what Paul's trying to show us is that none of us are independent of the rest. And even though you might be able under certain circumstances to pray for somebody and they get healed, people who have been given by the Spirit the gift of healing or gifts of healing are the ones that we really want to pray for us when it comes time for healing. Doesn't that make sense? Okay, maybe it doesn't. I, maybe I'm the only one. But, but listen, when I'm sick, I'll take prayer for anybody. But I would like to get the one who has the best batting average. You say, oh, it's too carnal to talk about the Spirit. Really? That's the way Paul would have talked if he lived now. All right. Now, when we talk about this thing about speaking in tongues, this has caused... Uh, this has caused churches to split. This has called, caused friends to stop being friends. And it's very sad because the Scripture gives us a model. And I, I, I think we have, I, I believe we have a, a, a slide here about this. When you come across Bible verses that seem unclear, the best thing to try to do is to find how the early apostles modeled that truth. First of all, because they were the ones that originally heard Jesus. They were there. They asked questions. They got answers. And as we look in the book of Acts, it helps to give us a model, not of everything, but of many things. And if we'll see that model, it will take away some of the mysteriousness about these things that are a little weird because they're outside of the realm of our physical body and our basic mind and the way we think. So when we do that, we look at the model. We're going to look at the model of speaking in tongues. We're going to be talking about the fact that there is a difference, a very important difference, 
between speaking in tongues as a result of being filled with the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, and the gift of tongues, which is not for you, but is to edify others when it works with interpretation. So let's take a look at the model as we go here. Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to buzz through this. I'm not going to be reading all the different countries these people came from. They know where they came from. I can't pronounce most of them anyway. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers, 120, including Jesus' mother Mary, were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. How many people out of that 120 spoke in other languages? All of them. Every one of them did. They were filled and they spoke in these unknown languages. Now, it's interesting that the other languages or the unknown languages were unknown to the people who were speaking them, but at least some of them, and we're not sure exactly because the text does not exactly tell us, but some of these languages were languages that people who had come for the Peace of, Fini uh, the, the, the Peace of Pentecost. <laughs> that deserves another drink. Just water. <laughs> the feast. <laughs> now, see, now I can't even say it. The Feast of Pentecost drew people, Jews, from all over the known world. And it lists many of the places that they came from. Verse 11, and it winds up with Cretans and Arabs. And then this is what they said. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So at least some of the 120 were speaking languages that were known languages. Now we do know from reading places like 1 Corinthians 13 that when someone filled with the Spirit speaks in tongues, it may not be a known language because in 1 Corinthians Paul, uh, Paul, uh, 13, Paul says, though I speak in the tongues of men and angels. So there's a heavenly thing that's also going on when we speak in tongues, and that's where it can get a little bizarre if we don't understand the thinking that is given to us by the model that's set in the Scripture. What we do know is this, that some of those people there, uh, that some of the 120, were speaking in languages that they didn't know, but visitors from other countries did know. Linda and I have seen that on several occasions when we've been out of the country, where people spoke in a language that they did not know, but somebody else in the room knew it. It doesn't always work that way because we speak spiritual languages too, Paul says. Again, that's the model we're looking at. However, this is an important thing. This 120, every one of them spoke in tongues. Did anyone then get up and interpret the tongues that each 120 spoke? No. Everybody together? No. There was no interpretation. There was no interpretation needed because as they were praying in tongues, they were not speaking to those people. They were speaking to God. In fact, we know what they were saying. In verse 11 it says, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the what? The wonderful things God has done. Now, in our modern language, when you start speaking the wonderful things God has done, what are you doing? This is praise and worship. We were doing that earlier. This is praise and worship. They were praising and worshiping God in a language that was unknown to them, bypassing their mind, 
but directly spirit to spirit. Some people who were there understood it. Now, whether it just sounded that way miraculously in their ear or whether that person was that, we don't know. That, that much we don't know. But what we do know is that 120, 120 believers spoke in tongues and there was no need for interpretation. So later on in 1 Corinthians, when Paul says, when you all gather together in your local church and someone speaks out in an unknown tongue, there needs to be an interpretation. We know he's not talking about that. We know he's not talking about that because that model shows that there is a praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit that requires no interpretation because we're not talking to each other. We're talking to God and about his wonderful works. Now we go on down. And I love this. Verse 12, and they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, ah, they're just drunk. That's all. Now, how many think that if what they were watching was an orderly Christian service, that they would think that they were drunk? Probably not. Now, I know, you know, we, we can talk about the way from people react when they sense the presence of God. We all react differently. We can get offended if some fall down and some don't, all that kind of stuff. And it's really all meaningless. We're comparing ourselves among ourselves. And Paul said, if you do that, that's not smart. The reality is that when the Spirit of God manifests itself some way to our human body and our human mind, bizarre things might happen. Now, it's a particular bizarre thing in the Scripture that I wish would happen more often to me. That is, after Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, as soon as he came up out of the water, he disappeared and reappeared several miles away at his next preaching engagement. Now, I'm hoping for that one. I'm praying for that gift, whatever that's called. Because I got two million miles just with American Airline alone, and my neck is paying the price for it. But anyway, we look at the model. We have to look at a model, see if there's a model. Now, there's not always one, but there certainly is when it comes to speaking in tongues. So what do we know? We know that they were all speaking in tongues, but there was no need for an interpretation. We know what they were saying. Now, not the specific words, but we know that they were offering up praise and worship to God. Paul refers to the fact that we can speak both in the languages of men and the languages of angels. I don't understand that. But the reason I don't understand that is because I live in a world where I see myself more as a body with a mind who has a spirit when I need to be seeing myself as an eternal spirit being who has a body or is in a body and has a mind. So we go on a little bit further. Let's follow the, 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 the model through. Acts chapter 10 should be the next side, uh, uh, slide here. When in Acts, I'm sorry, Acts chapter, yes, Acts chapter 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, and the circumcised believers, the Jewish believers, who came with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. By the way, this was many years, somewhere around 10 years after Pentecost. And the reason it took this long is because the Jews who were born again, filled with the Spirit, were still so racist in their thinking that they would not take the gospel to the Gentiles. Finally, they start doing it. Uh, actually, they didn't go. They were pushed. But, um, so they go on and it says, they were amazed because the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. No interpretation. See, no interpretation. There was, the reason there's no interpretation is they weren't talking to each other. 
They were praising God. They just happened to be praising God in an angelic language or a spiritual language that they themselves did not understand, but their spirit understood, and their spirit was edified. So again, we find this part of the model. When Peter is, gets in trouble because he went to the Gentiles and some of the Jewish uh, apostles got angry at Peter and told him that as a Jew he's not supposed to cohort with, uh, convert with uh, uh, Gentiles, verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 12 and 15, Peter says, his report was, quote, they, the Spirit fell on them just as on us in the beginning. Now what's the beginning he's talking about? Pentecost. Peter points back to what happened to them at Pentecost and said, the same thing happened to them. And we're given a model. We're given a model that as people come to know Jesus, his spirit comes to live in them. As they seek to be greater, filled with his presence, they begin to express themselves spiritually by speaking in tongues, by praying in tongues. Not speaking to one another, but speaking to God. And they were all doing it at the same time. Say, so, well, isn't that confusing? No, unless you think they're trying to talk to you, then that would be confusing. But that's not what's going on. What we've been doing so far is we've been ministering to the Lord in praise and worship. So it is completely acceptable. In fact, it is highly advisable that during times of praise and worship, we both speak and sing in the Spirit. I need a gavel or something to say, okay, that's the end of that exclamation point. All right, now, Paul now, the, 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 the verses that we've been working on are in 1 Corinthians, where he lists these nine categories of gifts of the Spirit. There are categories, and within each one, there's a huge variety. But one of the things that we must understand about the book of 1 Corinthians and that is that beginning in chapter 7, Paul begins to answer a long list of questions that the church in Corinth had sent to him. We know that because verse 7-1 says, now for the matters you wrote me about. What had happened was, Chloe, who was a woman, had a church in her house, they gather together with a bunch of questions about how the Spirit is supposed to operate within their meeting and, and those kinds of questions. They sent those letters or that letter with all those questions to Paul. Beginning in chapter 7, he starts taking each question and answering. The problem is we don't know what the question was. This is like listening to one part or one side of a telephone conversation. We don't know what the other person is saying. So when you read it, remember Paul is responding to questions about these spiritual activities. He's answering their questions. Also remember this. It was 300 years after Pentecost before the first building was ever built and called a church. Now, having my home church in Alaska, I praise God. God for buildings. It's cold out there. And in the summer, you get carried away with mosquitoes. How many were there at the time we had to actually shut the meeting down over at City Church outside because the mosquitoes get you? Some of you were there. I'm telling you what, 
obviously mosquitoes came from the fall. They will not be in the new heavens and the new earth. <laughs> but remember that for nearly 300 years after the day of Pentecost, the church met where? In homes. So we're talking 10, 12, 15, 20 people, probably max, in each local church. So the instructions that Paul gives about how to operate the gifts of the Spirit in a church gathering cannot automatically be applied to us here today. Well, if you think it can, let me quote this verse to you, where Paul says, now when you come together, every one of you should have something to say. Forget the Super Bowl, folks. We're going to start right over here. When we get back there, we're going to release you sometime late this evening. But when you got 8, 10, 12 people in a house, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? That each one who comes can give whatever their gifting is so that it would be edifying. Now, we can do that in our small groups, and we should be doing that. We all should be a part of that. Absolutely. But you cannot make a one-to-one -one comparison with some of these instructions. Now, we can take the kernel of truth that's there, the eternal truth that's there, about decent and in order and not talking over people. And Paul says, look, if one starts but another gets a better revelation, the first one should shut up and not try to outdo the other one. And, and, and these are wonderful things, but they're in the context of a small home meeting. So we have to understand that. Now, let's read this in 1 Corinthians 14. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So these gifts of the Spirit, these nine, nine categories, are tools to benefit the whole church. It's to benefit other people. Whatever gifting God puts in me is not primarily to benefit me. It's to benefit other people. Same way with you. So he goes on, so, I, so anyone who speaks in tongues, now by the way, where are, where are we where Paul is talking about? In somebody's house, having church, right? So in the house where you're meeting, if anyone speaks in tongues, uh, uh, so anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. Now why? Because we're in a meeting in somebody's home and now we're speaking out a gift of God for the benefit of everybody else. Now if there's no interpretation, that gift doesn't do the benefit that it should. But as we're all worshiping, we follow the Acts 2, the Acts 10, the Acts 11, the Acts 19 model that as we worship God, not speaking to each other, we should all be able to just worship him in the spirit. That should be our normal activity to do. So Paul goes on, and he says, verse 14, if I pray in tongues, and this is a local meeting for everybody, my spirit is praying. Now, that's a key right there about what's going on when you speak in tongues. Your spirit is praying. Your spirit is praying. Now, we'll also find out that it's praying along with the Holy Spirit, which is awesome. But I don't understand what I'm saying. Verse 15, what then shall I do? Now, again, this is in the context of a home meeting. What then shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray with words that I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? Now again, 
Paul is talking about that one category out of the nine of the gift of diverse kinds or different kinds of tongues that must always be connected with an interpretation. Now, if you're in a meeting and somebody just really feels led within to speak out something in an unknown tongue for the whole group, you know what happens. Everybody suddenly gets real quiet and nervous. Now, Paul says, as you read on here, if you speak out, ask that the Lord will give you the interpretation you can share with everybody. But if that doesn't happen, then you've got to act in faith and just let it go. And then nobody else says anything. And that's okay. Because we're dealing with things that are beyond our normal comprehension, our natural comprehension. That's all right. We've got to learn how to do this stuff. The reason we have a spirit life track that you can attend and be a part of here is so that you can learn how these things work. How many remember the first time you ever attempted to prophesy? And I do mean attempt because most of the time, the first time, it was either so loud because you're so nervous that nobody knew what you said, or it's something like, and the Lord would say, and that's okay. We're learning. But you see, for them, they were doing this in the context of a small group in a home where they knew each other. They trusted one another. They forgave one another. They knew that they were babes in Christ just learning how to walk in the Spirit. And that's good. It's not just okay. It's wonderful. That little eight-month-old that I showed you a little while ago, while I was home this time, I was teaching her how to walk. Her mother's not happy. Because the moment she starts to walk, she's gone like a shot, you know? So she says, Dad, Dad, stop doing that. If she crawls, I can catch her. <laughs> but, but that's a good thing, ultimately, that we learn how to do this. So Paul goes on. We're in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, verse 19, but in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in our own language. Now, what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that when I'm down here with you and we're worshiping God, he says, thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Now, actually, he was from southern Tarsus, and he wrote, I thank God I pray in tongues more than y'all. But <laughs> you need to be making notes on this is biblical interpretation stuff. It's really good. See, when I'm down here with you and we're all worshiping together, we are perfectly uh, allowed and encouraged to pray in tongues, to sing in tongues. Because we're not talking to each other. We are worshiping together. So Paul says, what then will I do? Well, I'll pray with the Spirit and I'll pray with the understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit. I'll sing with the understanding. But in the church meeting when it's time for me to teach you, for me to babble in tongues does you no good whatsoever. Now you say, well, why would somebody do that? Again, we have to understand the first century Roman Empire is not like our, our culture today. In their culture, they had pagan temples literally everywhere. Do you know that they actually put Christians to death? One of the reasons they did it was because they said they were atheists. Christians were called atheists in the first century. You know why? Because they only believed in one God. Everybody else believed in a multitude of gods. Christians only believed in one 
And so they were labeled atheists, that they didn't believe in gods. And in fact, they didn't. But in the first century, it would be very common daily for people to go to the local temple to Diana or Artemis or whatever, the local god that they worked, uh, worshiped there, get drunk, have sex with the temple prostitutes, and then the prostitute would, would tell your fortune. The prostitute would prophesy. These people grew up used to this ecstatic kind of pagan worship. So Paul did not want unbelievers or people that had just come to Christ, but all they knew about worship was the debauchery and the noise that went on at the temple to think the same thing should be happening in the home church. Are you there? So as he gives these instructions, he's trying to give instructions so that these people who are coming out of pagan worship will easily move into a true spirit worship, but do it in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God and beneficial to the entire body of Christ. Now, here's the reason why we know that this thing, uh, the, the difference between the gift of tongues and praying in tongues is a result of the Spirit, is in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul begins to, again, talk about these different gifts, and he says, first of all, God has appointed apostles, second prophets, third teachers, workers of miracles, gifts of healing, uh, those who help others, those with administration gifts, different kinds of tongues. Then he starts asking a series of questions. Here are the questions. Are all apostles? What's the answer? No. Right? Right. Okay, so the answer to these are no. Now, the reason Paul's doing this is to help us to appreciate the different giftings within the body. You're not all apostles, so appreciate when the gift of the apostle is there. He goes on. He says, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Uh, are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Now, when he says, do all speak in tongues, and we know the answer is no, he's not talking about what they did on the day of Pentecost or in Acts 10 or Acts 11 or Acts 19, where they were all filled with the Spirit and there was no need for an interpreter because they were worshiping God in a spiritual unknown language. Does that help? See, and this is important because Paul makes a very strong issue out of when you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. When you pray in the Spirit, you are building yourself up. And that's why Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you do. But when it comes time to teach, that's the time to turn that off and be understandable. But, but the, the encouragement there is, when you're praying in the Spirit, do it, do it, do it, do it a lot. Now, not when you're checking out a Fred Meyer. I mean, Paul said, if an unlearned comes in, stop doing that and explain what's going on. But if they came to your house for a church service, they'd want an explanation. But Romans chapter, was it Romans chapter 8? Wrap it up right here. Romans 8, Paul says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. And what's our weakness? Well, he goes on and tells us, we do not know what we ought to pray for. 
We do not know what we ought to pray for. Would you say that, please? We do not know what we ought to pray for. One more time. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Don't get so nervous about asking for the right thing. There's no way you can really know what the right thing is anyway. Just ask for what seems good to you and then trust your Father because He knows the right thing before you even ask. You're His child. Go ahead and ask. But Paul says our dilemma is we don't know what's going to happen a second from now, so how do we know exactly what to pray for? But God has given us the solution. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. You and I need to let the Holy Spirit pray through us on a daily basis. This needs to be a more frequent part of your Christian walk for every one of us. We need to be doing this because we're building ourselves up. The Spirit is praying in us, through us, for us. When you pray in tongues, the Spirit is praying in us, through us, and for us, according to the perfect mind of God. It doesn't get any better than that. According to the perfect mind of God. Now, Paul talks about when to stop doing it, when there are people that wouldn't understand. Don't make a fool out of yourself. But in our private life, come on. I mean, don't do it when you're checking out of Fred Meyer, but when you get back in the car, do it. This needs to be a normal part of our life. Now, let me wrap this up and say this. If you're born again today, if you've given your life to Jesus and you've been born again, the Spirit of the living God is in you. Bible talks about baptisms. The word baptism literally means to be overwhelmed. We need to be overwhelmed by the Spirit. But we need to be overwhelmed again and again and again. Ephesians 5.18 Stop getting drunk with wine, but keep on being filled with the Spirit. Now this thing about tongues, because it just seems spooky when you first get associated with people that talk about it. But the reality is that every one of you who are born again has the Spirit of God living inside of you. You have the ability to pray in the Spirit in you already. It is in you already. But you need to come to a place where you can relax and be filled up and let it flow and overcome the fears that your natural mind happens. How many, when they first begin to pray in tongues, one of the thoughts that bugged them was, now is this me or is this him? Well, since he says do it, just obey and it'll be him. But see, this is not a speaking tongue, not a spiritual merit badge. I got this, and now I'm taking up archery and I got my other badge over here. That's not what this is. This is a gift to you, for you. This is not for the rest of the body. It's just for you. The gift of tongues with interpretation is for other people. But praying in tongues should be a normal function again and again, daily, more than daily. This is something that Linda and I do almost all the time, as long as we're not confusing or, for, or messing up somebody else. But this is a gift from God for all of us. If you've never spoken in tongues before, but you are a born-again believer, know this. The Spirit who enables you to speak in unknown languages of angels is already in you. The ability to do that is already in you. 
you're going to have to let go of your fear of it sounding weird and just plainly be obedient. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion. So stand with me if you would, please. We're going to take communion. Let's go ahead and get the emblems. For those who are in the back, we have two stations in the back. In the front, we have two that are right up here. So please, we have open communion here. That means that if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, whether you're a member of our church or not, makes no difference. If you are a born-again believer, we strongly encourage you to come and enjoy communion with us. So come right on up. Just step out of your seats. Come up. Get the, a cup and a piece of bread. Take it back to your seat. Remain standing. And as we do this, we're asking the Holy Spirit to help each of us overcome the fear that seems to surround this thing about praying in tongues because it seems so mysterious. It seems so weird. So what we're going to ask God to do is to help us overcome the idea that we are a body with a mind who happens to have a spirit, but rather teach us that we are an eternal spirit which has a body to live in and a mind to work with. And the more we see ourselves that way, the less mysterious these kinds of things become. Because the devil cheats people out of the awesome benefit of being able to pray in the Spirit virtually any time you want. And Paul says, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. We're building ourselves up. Now, when it comes time, if God gives you the gift of tongues with interpretation in a group meeting where that is beneficial, go for it. That's great. But we must, as believers, overcome the fear of the mysteriousness of this thing about praying in tongues. Paul summed it up this way. So what shall I do? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with words that I understand. I will sing with the Spirit, but I will also sing with words that I understand understand and that's for all of us it's for all of us it's not some special deal for the most spiritual if it were I would never be able to do it but you can if Jesus by his spirit is living inside of you let him fill you up again today now, father we are grateful we're so very grateful for this bread represents the body that you gave to be broken on our behalf. You took upon yourself the pain of sin of the whole world. We are grateful for the cup, the representation of your blood that not only saves us, but goes on to fill us up with your spirit so you may live in us and through us by your spirit. So in Jesus' name, we receive this in remembrance of what you've done for us, but also in remembrance that we're standing in the midst of part of your body right now. And all around us, there are members that have things we don't have, and we need that ministry from them. So in Jesus' name, go ahead and eat the bread. Drink the cup. And give thanks to God. For not only salvation, but for living inside of you if you were born again. And what we're going to do 
as we dismiss, I want to suggest two things. One, some of our prayer friends will be up here in the front. They would love to pray for you. Whatever need you may have, whatever you might need somebody to join with you about in prayer, they are going to be here to do that. Okay? Number two, if you've struggled with this idea of praying in the Spirit, if this thing is just seems so weird to you, and I understand that. Man, do I understand that. My wife Linda went two years after she was born again, and everybody wanted to pray for her, and everybody wanted to hear her speak in tongues. And it was a bizarre situation, and it put so much pressure on her that she just didn't want anybody to pray for her. How many know what I'm talking about? It, and my goodness, this is an awesome gift. Why would we put pressure on people? But we have to recalculate the way we think about this. One evening we were teaching a group of Catholic nuns who wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit. And Linda went over to pray for a Catholic nun who asked to be filled with the Spirit and would like to be able to pray in tongues. And after a minute or two, they were both praying in tongues. And it happened because she got her mind off of herself and other people stopped focusing on her and she just began to worship Jesus and it flowed out of her just as nice and normal as can be. If you need that today or if you'd like that today, then we want to ask you to just come up and let these people pray for you. But lastly, when you go home today, it's been our experience in these last few years that more people are getting baptized in the Spirit and speaking in tongues when they're taking a shower. Because there's nobody around to make them feel nervous. But we want you to know that as a church, we believe in this. And we will practice this more and more and more. We will be wise, but we will do what Paul said. We will pray with the Spirit and with the understanding. We will sing in the Spirit and with our understanding. And we want you to fully enjoy that benefit too. So if you'd like prayer, come on up during this week. Let this be the week that you begin to experience something new, different, and dynamic in your relationship to the Lord. Father, we are grateful. We are grateful that you have brought us together as one body in your Son. We are grateful, Lord, that none of us are exactly alike, and each of us are gifted by different things, and we need them all, Lord. So we ask for a fresh outpouring on all of us, Jesus. We ask for a fresh overwhelming, a fresh baptism, a fresh infilling, Lord, where we overcome our fears and we thoroughly enjoy the indwelling Holy Spirit praying in us, through us, and for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.